Welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs, where we talk all the P's of pelvic health, pooping, peeing, pain, pleasure, physical activity, personal development. My name is Dr. Jocelyn Conley. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist and your host today. And I have a really cool episode to share with you. It is with my cousin, Jill. And kind of different than episodes in the past, we are talking, we're going to take a different uh, direction to what we've been doing. And we're going to talk about, she's just going to ask me questions and I'm going to answer them. So she's kind of a host too. So in this episode, we talk about basics, like what the pelvic floor is, what does it do, and what's prolapse, what is the deal with kegels what's the deal with surgery um i'm super excited to share it with you because it's just very real and we're gonna do more of this so i hope you enjoy it and then don't forget our disclaimer the information used on this podcast is should be for information and education and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in substitute for medical advice diagnosis or treatment so let's get on to today's episode. What's up, everyone? My name is Dr. Jocelyn Conley. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist and founder of the Vagina Doc. And I also work at Launch Physical Therapy and Sports Performance in Phoenix, Arizona. And today I am sitting here with my cousin, Jillian, who is also uh, works with me, but I'll let her introduce herself and we are going to talk about some real stuff so Jill thanks for agreeing to come on uh, publicly like this before we dive into anything introduce yourself tell you tell what do you do and so on thank you very much Dr. Jocelyn my name is Jillian and she is correct I am her cousin that is a great benefit but I also work for launch physical therapy as well I am the administrative assistant clinical coordinator coordinator of events um, I basically just want to ask some questions and know some more of what I can educate myself on the pelvic floor not only to benefit me in my work but just in everyday life that I feel like a lot of other people might have the same questions that I do Thanks, Jill. So Jill and I are sitting outside. We we live together, and our house is being cleaned. So we're sitting outside in the middle of Ju- or in the beginning of June in Arizona. It's hot. So hopefully we don't keep you on here too long. But who knows? So yeah, the impetus of this discussion was basically she answers a lo- answers the phone for us at launch and she was talking about how there was a lot of things that she had just really had no idea about. And this is concerning, not only to both of us, but to her, because this is her life. Like, this isn't just something that the things that she's unsure of that people call in and are trying to get scheduled for, have questions about, like those impact could be potentially impacting her as well. So I wanted to do this and we've been talking about doing this for a while now and hopefully you guys get something out of it so Jill let's start 
no pressure literally no pressure just fyi you guys that this is we are outside and we live really close to phoenix sky harbor so you might hear some airplanes you might hear some dog barking dogs barking those are our dogs because they're outside as well so what do you think joe what's your what's what's your first question i guess my first question would be is the pelvic floor exactly what is the pelvic floor and what is it pertaining to like what are the functions i guess there's a lot of questions in that what are the functions of the pelvic floor okay so what i heard was what is the pelvic floor like and what does it do so the pelvic floor is is a a collective of tissues that consists of muscles supportive connective tissue so that like that white stuff that you see in uh, on chicken and the meat that we're making nerves that help us have sensations and feelings as well as enable those muscles to perform work vessels so we've got arteries that take oxygenated blood to the muscles from the heart and then veins that take unoxygenated blood from the lower our legs and pelvis back to the heart to get more oxygen and then lymphatic vessels which are fluids that are part of our metabolism so our cellular processes and then our pelvic organs like our and maybe maybe I'm incorrect in, in identifying the pelvic organs as part of the pelvic floor. So I'm not going to go into that just in case. But not muscles, connective tissues, vessels, nerves. The function of the pelvic floor is many. So we have the support supportive role, meaning the pelvic floor muscles and its connective tissue. And those wouldn't exist or they'd be significantly impacted if we didn't have nerves and vessels because they'd die. So just assume when we're talking about the muscles that we're also including their supportive uh, tissues as well, the vessels and the nerves and so on. But the pelvic floor muscles support the pelvic organs. So the pelvic organs being the bladder, the uterus, the, the, our guts, so our intestines, and... Um, all of, I think I'm, I mentioned all the main ones and all of like the uterus also has the fallopian tubes and so on and for men the the scrotum all of those I guess plumbing and machinery and then so that they support our pelvic organs so that they don't come out of our pooch out of our vaginal canal they also support, yeah, so that's the main supportive role. They act as what we call a sump pump in, fit, in physics. Basically, that is like a, a, a system of, and I, I've been out of physics for a while now, but pumping blood from the legs back to the heart. So we have a lot of vascularity in our legs and our pelvis, and we need that back to the heart, so it acts to do that. Stability. So the pelvic floor is a member of part of our core called our deep core, which helps provide stabilization or keeps our spine in an optimal position so that 
our outer core and our prime movers in our body, like our big, bigger muscles in our chest, our legs, our back, and so on, can do their role. So we said support, sump pump, stability, function is another role. So our pelvic floor helps drive the processes of lubrication, um, erection. So men and women both have erections. Women's erections are in the clitoris, which is very, only a small portion is visible to what you see on the outside. The, the main part of that organ is internal, inside the body that you can't see. And then obviously we, everyone is aware of what a, a male erection is. So that, supporting that role, and then for uh, the orgasm, that, that is also part of this, not the, the sexual function. So the rhythmic contractions of not only the muscles, the pelvic floor muscles, but the vaginal, the smooth muscles of the vaginal canal, the cervix, the uterus, and there's all different types, uh, in my opinion, that I can go on and on about. So sexual function, support, stability, sump pump, and uh, man. So this is off the cuff, you guys. I don't have my notes, so I'm sure I'm missing something. Oh, duh, sphincteric. So part of the pelvic floor muscles include what is called the urogenital sphincter muscles. So these are the muscles that uh, support the urethra, or the tube that urine comes out, comes out, and then the anal sphincter complex. These are circular muscles, and they help prevent the passage of fluids, whether that be solid, liquid, or gas, out of our body. So that being said, it's all about managing pressures. So if you're leaking urine or something, you're leaking pressure, which is a sign of dysfunction, and that should be addressed so that the rest of the body is working well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's definitely, it's, it's a lot of information, and I never knew that the pelvic floor basically, it seems like it controls a lot of different aspects from your legs to your bladder to all that, which is wild. Um, I guess another question I had is, what does it mean um, when a, a patient is going through prolapse? Like, I, I don't even know what the word prolapse kind of means. Great question. Can I ask you a question before we dive into that, though? Yeah. So I told you the functions of the pelvic floor. Were you aware of the, any of those things? Like, what did what was your, before meeting me, what did you know? So I, I basically just thought the pelvic floor was, like, your abdomen um, down to your bladder, and that was about it. And it's funny, too, I'm glad that you mentioned men because I get a lot of people that are like, oh, if men don't have pelvic floors, and I'm like, well, I, I actually knew that at least. I'm like, everybody has to have a pelvic floor. But, uh, you know, I kind of just thought it was like your abs to your butt to your bladder, and that was it. I didn't even think that it had any type of function with circulation or, you know, I didn't think about the muscular and that it helps support your back and everything in that aspect. I just thought it was one little main component. Yeah, and you know, and that, it's it's funny to hear you say that. You know a lot more than most. It's like most people didn't even know that they had that, like mus muscles. They just thought like, oh, my vagina muscles or or something of that, of that nature. And 
because of culture and how we were raised and the hush hush about it is like, oh, I hate my period. I don't want to know what's down there. There's a lot of just fear of the unknown and therefore that people don't, they're closed minded, I guess. Okay, they're like, uh, yeah. So your second question what is prolapse? So prolapse is a scary word for a weakening in a body cavity or a body wall. So if we're talking about vaginal prolapses, because there's also rectal prolapse, we're talking about a weakness in the vaginal walls. So the smooth, so the vaginal walls are made of smooth muscles that means we don't consciously have control. Like I have control over my biceps muscles. That's a striated muscle. Uh, but this, the, the vaginal canal, the walls are weakened or there's pressure from the pelvic organs onto the wall. Maybe it's not weak. Maybe there's something else that's weak or there's a problem with the per how the person's coordinating or breathing or strength. There's a lot of different drivers, but what analogy I like to use is imagine you were lying in a tent. You're, you're in the tent, you're the, the, everything's closed, you're, you have your, your guide wires, so it's all good. Something falls on your tent, it just pops right off. So now imagine if one of those guide wires, or you put the tent together and you didn't put it all the way together, so you don't have the tensions creating that stable support of the tent. Well, whatever falls in, it, it's not in your... So I was saying, like, that someone falls into the tent where it's not that there's a, the guide wires or that the tension isn't there. They're not in your tent because you're closed off, but they're in your space. That's kind of like, so if it's the front, it's the, or the front door, that's, a, that's like similar to the bladder falling into the front vaginal wall, placing pressure. Or if it's the rectum, that's the back wall mm -hmm. of the tent or back wall of the vagina. And basically what you have then is instead of a straight tube for urine to come out, if it's the front wall, there's a kink. So you can have... Symptoms like incomplete emptying or you feel like you have to pee but you really don't because of the pressure of the bladder or you can't fully empty all of your poop out mm -hmm. or you can feel this pressure when you're having sex or whatever. And the important thing is that people hear that and they automatically think that they need surgery because that's what the, all they've heard or they Google prolapse and that's what they see. But the thing is, is if you get that surgery and you continue to behave the same way, it's just going to fail. I've seen so many failed prolapse surgeries because they never had rehab before or after or the aftercare of they didn't get instructions. It's really frustrating because it's kind of like an ankle sprain. You don't just go right and have a freaking ankle reconstruction or ankle surgery. You wouldn't. Same thing for prolapse. Surgery rarely should be the first. It, it never should be the first line of defense. That person needs to learn how to breathe, how to connect with their the rest of their body before they ever even, even, even think about the S word. Does that answer your question? Do you have, do you, do you have an idea of what that is? 
Yeah, so it's just basically the walls supporting the vaginal area, and if they're supporting enough, and if they're strong enough to support. Yes, uh, sort of. It's more of the the walls are having pressure placed upon them, and the supportive structures of the pelvic organs, such like the the ligaments and then the muscles themselves, are not doing their job. They're either stretched or they're weak or they're overactive, so they're not able to provide the do their role, which is to support the pelvic organs. So the pelvic organs then start to put pressure on the vaginal walls. Sometimes it's the vaginal walls, but mainly it's the the other supportive structures. It's not a hole like a hernia. A hernia is actual a hole through the uh, the body cavity. And a lot of women think that they have hernias after birth, but really it's just a it's a very thin it's a thinness or a weakness in the connective tissue in their like their abdomen. Sometimes it is an her- it is a hernia, but oftentimes it's not. Is prolapse for just preg- uh, women that have had babies, or can somebody that's never had a baby have prolapse? You're looking at someone that has prolapse. So I what I have is a cystocele, which is a specific type of of I guess vaginal wall descent. So it's anterior vaginal wall, and I've never had kids, and I think. I mean, it's hard to know, you know, what is all the reasons why, but I do believe that it's from, and it's gotten substantially better, but from all of the breath holding and the straining during pooping and not lifting properly and holding my breath every time I cut during sports, it's all of the sickness. Like I would have a cough for like six months out of the year growing up because I was so unhealthy like, yeah, I looked healthy on the outside, but I was not fueling my body what I needed. I was sick all the time. So coughing is is another one. And I had no idea I had a pelvic floor. And then it's like I was holding so much stress in my pelvis and abdomen from all the stuff that was happening in my life, like with family and all of, you know, the life stressors. And since addressing all of those pieces, it has gotten substantially better. So you don't have to have a history of childbirth or have had kids to have prolapse. Okay, good to know. See, I had no clue. I thought it was just for uh, pregnant women um, that have had kids already. So um, I guess another question that I have, what does it mean when you do have leakage? Say if you have a leakage while you're jump roping and then after like but then a few months later it goes away like what causes it to start and then stop great question so many answers to it so if it's just periodic and it's not a consistent thing and it also depends on the person's history as well it could be that you are so let me back up and talk about my method or my how I approach my career because I am just obsessed and I think about this stuff. There's three facets of pelvic health. You've got the body, the mind, and the spirit. So the mind is spent, I separate the mind into mental and emotional health. And then the body is physiological health and physical health. The physiology side is nutrition, um, nutrition, sleep, all of the lifestyle factors like exercise. The physical side is 
okay, you are there. It's and then I separate that into musculoskeletal and neuromuscular. So how I have people like rate themselves is I am able to lift, do, do what I want, feel in control. And I'm meeting all of my like, like I can lift heavy shit if I want without having injuries. I don't struggle with injuries or pain. Whereas neuromuscular is like, okay, someone said I can't move this way, but I have all these other ways that I can perform a squat. I'm adaptable in that sense. I'm coordinated. So to dress is like all of the, the, the facets of fitness, of agility, coordination, strength, flexibility, et cetera. Mental and emotional is, is ones in uh, coping strategies of the challenges of life. Cause if, if we're, if, if we say life is should be easy, we're sadly mistaken. No part of life is supposed to be easy. And how we, it, I mean, without the struggle, there is no gain, mm-hmm. right? And so I believe that uh, there are effective coping strategies and ineffective. So that piece, we're looking at that. And then emotions, emotional health, that's like emotional IQ, you're in tune, your your one's own in tune in tuneness of their own emotions. Like if you're someone that just only tries to seek being high or meaning like being happy and joyful, then you're missing out. Like we need to experience the sadness and the discontent and the uh, different different ways that we could feel in order to heal and move forward. So spiritual then is your purpose with all of this like how do I feel about like why I'm here or what I'm meant to do and um, all of those pieces can impact the pelvic health presentation so I've had a lot of women that I've seen that their pelvic like when I do my exam their pelvic floor is strong it's flexible it's powerful it's endurant and it's uh, fat, well, power that includes speed, but they're still leaking. Well, that person also has a lot of stress that they're holding in their abdominal wall. They're building pressure. They have feel like they have something to prove either to themselves or other people when they're working out that they have not only crossed the threshold of physiologic failure or decline, they've went way way past it that their body system their nervous system it can't do it's it just can't it doesn't have the capacity so in the remember the uh, urogenital triangle muscles there is a component that is autonomic autonomic um controlled and so when you go into that red zone in your physiology or let's say they're not they're starving themselves unintentionally or intentionally they're constantly their nervous system is or in their hormones so the hormones and the nervous system that's all part of it it's so jacked so the leakage is from that it's not necessary and it's because or their pelvic floor muscles are literally so tired and they're holding their breath like it's not necessarily a pelvic floor problem. It's a contr- that person is not listening to their body or they're not trained to do what they're doing. Now, if someone is leaking every time they jump, there's usually a uh, problem with the pelvic floor themselves. It could be the structure of 
the uh, the support of the urethra. So they jump and the urethra moves a ton and then they leak. Or it could be that like a much bigger problem, like they're so weak and the bladder drops on the pelvic floor and it's just like a total leak. Then there is also the uh, incoordinated. So if you ever watched, if you ever saw me try to juggle, I am not coordinated at all. Same thing is the case with areas of our body. How can one expect to have coordination if they don't even know it's down there? So the pelvic floor muscles have to be coordinated. And the person has to know, like, bracing the heck out of your body when you're jumping is not the right, not right. Because you're creating rigidity. So the bladder then bounces off of a hard surface versus a compliant, flexible surface. So... Long answer, but there's a lot of reasons, and that's why what I do should be part, if not the main part, of a well woman's exam once they're reaching, even, I mean, from a young age, because this shit starts early. Louie, my dog, is sitting like such a prince on Jill's lap. It's so funny. So this, the, hopefully that was answered. Yeah, no, that that, that was a good answer, and I'm glad that I asked that. Um, another question I have is, how do I know if I need a pelvic floor doctor or a gynecologist? Great question. So, in general, you should have both on your side because we do different things. I'm biased, but I have a lot more of a even though I don't get paid as much as a gynecologist, I have a much more fun job or career than a gynecologist, in my opinion. I don't know. But gynecologists deal with uh, the medicine side of things. Like, they're looking at for tissue pathology, masses, diseases within the cells. They're looking for, like, okay, they can... They're better, and not every one of them, because I've caught it and had to send them back, at, at diagnosing things like BV, yeast infections, uh, STIs. They have that testing capability. So when you have symptoms like uh, pain or burning, abnormal discharge, um, itching, and you may or may not have a fever. It's a problem that with to pee and maybe sex is, it, it hurts. And this happened like all of a sudden or you definitely want to go to a gynecolo gynecologist. You want to go to a gynecologist or your PCP that has that those skills to do your like check the cells to make sure to screen for the, the cervical cancers or those those types of cancers. What I do is a lot, I'm like a detective for everything else. <laughs> because whether you, and you might need to see a, like a, a GI doctor, you might, all of this stuff, or, or urologist, all this stuff is so interwoven within the pelvic floor that it's not usually just one person. So you would come to me if you're having back pain, groin pain, pelvic pain, pain with sex, um, leakage and you've kind of had that or you had a recent event like a surgery or you had a baby 
and um, now you're just paying attention to it. Even with the dis- like minus the STIs, but like BV and yeast infections, a l- it, chronic yeast infections are often missed in like certain um, urologic things, especially in 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 men, and even problems with sex like vaginismus and and uh, vestibuli uh, vestibulodynia. So the last two is basically your vagina closes. It's just highly sensitive and, and it makes penetration of anything impossible because of the pain or you just, you can't. And then uh, some people can't even like wear pants. It's so sensitive or sit. But those often have a driver, a deeper driver. And that's why I have the four facets. Like, I don't want to medicate and hide shit with birth control because that's bullshit oftentimes. Let's get down to the root of things. What's going on in people's health? Like, are they eating enough? Are they eating enough of the right stuff? Are they, how are they coping with the stressors of life? I was given Vicodin as a freaking, well, not 12, 14 or 15 year old because my cramps are so bad. I also was so unhealthy. I was throwing my food away, eating Oreos, and then playing sports all week for hours upon hours. No wonder why I was having such horrific periods. My hormones were probably like sticking their middle finger up at me and saying, you're an asshole and we're going to make you pay for it. (laughs) So to answer your question, if you sense there, you got to get yourselves checked. I mean, that's that's just something to do. Uh, and the people to do that are the, the physicians or the NPs. For everything else, for things that impact your movement, your quality of life, like, that's a lot of my stuff. Because it one, you would go to a, a guy, too, to, like, just as a wellness or your PCP. You would come to me for your core wellness like everything no none of them have the training that that we in pelvic pt do so i think there is room for both all the time but you would not go i would say if there's no if this isn't just like all of a sudden and this has been a thing that you've ignored like pain with sex for example go to a pt because they will send you to a guy it's not your job necessarily the the gyne or the PT is that that's their job. Okay, good, good. Answered those. Um, another question that I've been wanting to ask is, say like I used to always read Chelsea Handler's books, and she talks about vaginal reconstruction that she oh. ended up getting, and you know, and I'm just like, okay, say if you have a, a wider vagina opening. Can Kegels cure that, or do you need the, not cure it, but can Kegels help, you know, get that strength back or, you know, vaginal reconstruction surgery is what you need? Dear Lord, dear Chelsea Handler, if I ever make it big and I have the opportunity to have a conversation with you, um... I'm not going to scold you. (laughs) This is my job. 
to spread the word. So I'm taking ownership of that. Vaginal reconstruction is basically similar to what I, when we were talking prolapse, that women will get these surgeries. Some women will get aesthetic surgeries as well, but it's typically not a reconstruction. So basically, vaginal reconstruction is needed when the vaginal vault or the, 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 there's irreparable damage and like when I blew out my knee and needed my ACL reconstructed and in, in conservative care cannot help with the functional comp, the functional comp, uh, like presentation of it. Uh, when you, the most, so that, that she probably had prolapse because she had kids. I don't know much about Chelsea Handler. Shut up. That is why. Oh my God. So Jill said she married 50 Cent and dated him and that's why she needed vaginal reconstruction. She probably had a tight ass pelvic floor. I don't know, but whole there she's not the only woman in this world that is having surgeries for aesthetic reasons or to enhance something that surgery by goodness I don't think can make better who she should have went to see a pelvic PT who could have said hey this is where you are this is what it would need to this is what it would take to improve this damn did that end? But mo- if most times, I mean, sometimes, absolutely, I needed surgery. Some people need surgery. But the important thing is, is you should not just go see a surgeon and have surgery. You should see someone like me first who can be your advocate, can kick you in the ass and tell you what the hell to ask, what the hell you need to advocate yourself for. Or f- because surgeons are surgeons. They don't, I mean, they're not doing anything wrong. That's just what they do. They do surgery and not everyone is up to speed on how movement and how you're, how you hold yourself, how you think, how you act, all that impacts your vagina and your pelvic floor. Okay. Good, good to know. Good to know. Um, another question that I had is basically what does the function of a Kegel do for women? And can men do Kegels? Men can do Kegels. So you did ask if Kegels can improve uh, from last question. And my answer is it depends. Chelsea Handler probably had way too tight pelvic floor muscles. But who am I to know? She'd have done Kegels. She'd been screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have made it worse. Mm-hmm. Kegels in isolation. So wh- right now, I'm squeezing my quad. Do you think this is going to make me really strong? That's what a fucking kegel is. Excuse my language. But that's how passionate I am. Um, here's the deal. The fu- okay, the function of, the ke- of, of, a, of a pelvic floor muscle contraction, there's a bunch of types, so I hate the word kegel. And kegel, kegel, it's a man's last name, so I don't like using it, um, is to... Create a motion to kink, basically kink off the urethra and provide a, uh, more support to the pelvic organs. And the pelvic floor is not designed really to work on its own. It's work, 
designed to work with other members of the deep core, the diaphragm, the deep, um, the, the, the corset-like abdominal muscle called the transversus abdominis and then a, a back muscles called the multivitus. And so just doing, doing contracting your pelvic floor muscles isn't, I mean, that can enhance the sexual experience, but a reverse Kegel could too. There is, just like after my knee surgery, I had to do quad sets, which I'm doing right now. I'm squeezing my quad muscles. And that is to get the create awareness. Oh, okay, this is what that is. During sex, it can enhance, like, you can put, you can enhance that, that sexual experience with Kegels. But otherwise, and you can also delay urge if you have the capacity to do it right without cheating. You can delay urges to poop to pee until you can get to the bathroom uh and it could also yeah that's that's so sex and poop and pee like kegels in isolation and other than that I mean it's just so small I can't even think of a life like I'll do isolate have people do isolated kegels but in different positions to create girth in the pelvic floor muscles to provide better support to the organs but other than that in connecting it is so much more than than that so if you were to ask me right now should you be doing kegels probably not you probably need to do reverse kegels but maybe during sex or maybe if you have an urge to poop or pee and you need like 30 minutes to get there then maybe but do you know how to do them correctly? 50% of women do not. Men, oh my gosh, I joke around with guys and like, I know how to use your, 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 what you've got more than you do. And I <laughs> learned that after mentoring PT, male pelvic PTs. I'm like, do you not know this? No. Um, yeah, there's different ways. That, there's so many ways to connect with your pelvic floor that are so beyond what people know but no one knows except us pelvic pts and it's our job to get it out there yeah i mean i'll be honest with you i just thought a kegel i mean i knew you can do it during sex um but also like while you're peeing you stop your pee you start your pee you stop your pee you start your pee see that so i thought that was exactly what a kegel was and you know that's like how you get your vagina stronger so, like, whenever I'm peeing, sometimes I'll do that just to make sure I'm strong. And I'm like, okay, they're good. I'm healthy. Well, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because that is not what you should be doing. You're training your bladder and your pelvic floor to speak two different languages. That is one of the worst habits in the t- on the bathroom that you can have. I will have people do that as a screen but not typically, like it's very rare. Those are exceptions and those are just very screens. And I say, do not do this more than once a week or two weeks or once a month. But some women after having kids and some women that didn't have kids yet but had something happen or in their health, somewhere along the line can't do it. And that isn't a quick screen. Um, I guess another question I would have to do is like, like saying like, does your abdomen strength, I know you said it, it does matter, but like, so say if I'm doing like crunches or, you know, planks, how can I improve like getting like my abs stronger and help with like my, with the pelvic floor? 
great question. So this is why they pay me the big bucks, and this is why I'm very selective of who I work with, because let's, let's imagine there are 10 women here or even 10 guys, and we all had them do the same thing, like a plank or a sit-up. And they, we got them doing it in such a way without specific instructions and without doing an individual exam. We had them they, to get, look the same. Every single one of those pers- people could be feeling it different or experiencing it different depending on how they're connecting with their body. So in order to enhance whatever you're doing, you have to be aware of your how to connect with your deep core, outer core, your body in different ways and figuring out what makes you feel most connected. One thing that people, a misconception that people have is they have to brace everything as hard as possible. That will lead to things like I have had prolapse, uh, issues with um, my bowel and bladder, always being like bracing. That is a problem. That is not good for our body. So what I would really encourage you to do is to find someone that can teach you how to connect differently and then your goal then your next move is to learn how to connect and apply this connection to what you're doing from an exercise standpoint you only want to connect as much that is needed for the task you don't want to sometimes of course there's always exceptions but when it comes to the core i think the biggest misconception is more is better it's it's the finesse of it. It's the connection. It's the the variation. It's the it's everything but the brace. Yeah. Got it. Um, kind of going back to your breathing. Like I know my thing is like if I'm doing something hard, I need like say even a back squat. I hold my breath until I get to the top, and like can that. The, holding my breath just be a dysfunction like can I that, that can ruin a lot of things right I don't want to promote fear-mongering but you're leaving a lot on the table so really breast support should be something that is applied to someone that needs it like maybe they have had they have had an structurally or neurologically like they don't have the same physiologic and muscular, all of that is someone that is intact everywhere. And then it should also be saved for advanced, like promoting breast support, advanced weightlifters that are lifting, like for me, for example, when I weigh about 120 pounds, whenever I'm deadlifting 240, I don't fully hold my breath, but I do have a method of breast support that and timing of the breath that I utilize. Because yes, you can basically cheat your way out of, you you work out to work your muscles, right? To look better, feel better, so on. But if you're just using your passive tissues, that's not gonna help. You're bypassing. You're not even training what you think you're training. And it's very, everyone has their path of least resistance. Some it's their back, some, some it's their abdomen, some it's their pelvic floor, some it's their, up here and they have a hiatal hernia um it is learning how to breathe through it according to your body and your goals your needs and so on 
but yes it it can be in it can eventually turn out that you are chronic straining you could have oh rectal pro so many people are walking with mild rectal prolapses and they don't even know it because they are holding their damn breath all the time yeah i I definitely hold my breath sometimes um okay completely going to a whole other subject that i've wanted to ask um i grew up with somebody telling me that you have to poop seven times a day for it to be to have normal bowel movement um and i just wanted to confirm if that was true or not (laughs) what do you think no because i don't go that often is absolutely false that would be considered a that would probably be considered pathologic that you're you have a low threshold for sensitivity on your storage in your rectum and of the storage in your rectum so uh that would be a problem everyone's different but basically what is normal could be one bowel movement a day to three bowel movements ish a day to uh going every three days now if you're not going and you're going like once a week that is a problem just as much as going five to plus times a day is that a pelvic floor problem sometimes yeah oftentimes i mean there's always the pelvic floor whether it's the driver or or uh part of it is what needs to be identified um usually with like for you it i would say it could be but it but it, there's probably some other stuff going on as well. And then, yeah, Jocelyn said in the beginning that we, we lived together, and when she, we first moved in, she actually gave me a squatty potty, and um, I just, I, I mean, I do notice a difference, but why is squatty potty so, like, promoted, and why isn't it just, why aren't bathrooms built with a stand already on them if that's how we're supposed to be using the restroom? Uh, well... I think more so sometimes the squatty potty doesn't work for people but I think that the squat what what the squatty potty does is it puts the 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 body or the hip specifically at an angle where there's a relaxation or that where it's normally there's a kink in the rectum to make it just like better when you don't like when you're not pooping um, it takes the kink out so it goes from a really like acute angle to a more obtuse angle in the rectum. Uh, if we go back in time, like if you back at my house growing up, our toilet is so low. Like I don't really need a squatty potty there. But over time, our society has become lazier, weaker. Our toilets have to be higher. So suddenly you go from this deep squat position to like almost standing and your feet can't even touch the ground so that yeah does that make sense so we will continue this conversation this was super fun jill um you've saved the very like i would say g-rated pg-rated questions i'm ready for for other juicy stuff so Thank you so much for asking. I can't wait to do this again. And for the rest of you, if you have any questions that want to be answered, please send them our way so that we can talk about them. 
And um, if you're interested in scheduling a consult, we'll leave that information below. And we start off with a, tw a 20 minute free consult. It's basically learning like about you, seeing if we're a fit, and um, if we're not, giving you the resources to get you where you want to be. And we will do a, we are offering a special right now that if with a discovery session, if you mention this episode, then we will take 25 off of your evaluation. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.